in Christ alone. In Christ alone. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's not based off of this and not based off of that. It is based on Christ alone in Jesus' name. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning and welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the depot. Welcome to Faith for Life. Glory to God. Man, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm going to share an announcement with you all after this service today in Jesus' name. But we're going to dive right in, man. This week, this week, test trials and tribulations come to us all. No one is exempt from that. I mean, Jesus even said, in this life you will have tribulations, but cheer up. For I've overcome the world. And we actually had an opportunity and situation this this week, unfortunately, that happened to a, one of our family members uh, back in the state. Um, he was driving his his truck, his semi, and uh, he fell asleep. They said they believe he fell asleep and his truck hit a bridge and his truck flipped over caught on fire, it was engulfed in flames, and he died as a result of it. Now, you have to know the family history because when I was a kid, when I was, I think I was in, in eighth grade, ninth grade, his father died in a truck accident. Same month, years later, he fell asleep or hit a patch of ice. His truck slid off the road, went over an embankment, and um, he tried to jump out. And at the point he was trying to jump out, the truck hit the ground again because it was bouncing as it was going down. Hit again, and that it, when it, he was trying to jump, it truck hit, boom. And it killed him. His best friend watched him from the road as his truck was going over. Can I tell you, when I heard that news about my cousin the other day, it took me back to that day when my, I heard the incident happen with my uncle. But it wasn't even because of me. I remembered my mother's response. My mother is probably the strongest woman I know. Still to this day, the strongest woman I know. But in that moment, I see my mama respond in a way I had never seen. My mama cried. My mama was laying in the bed like a baby curled up in the ball, crying for her brother. And the worst part for me is I could do nothing about it. I was helpless because I couldn't help her. And if you know me, I always want to help, but I was helpless. And I didn't, I didn't even know that that was what was going Because when I heard about my cousin, the first thing I thought about was my mother. So before I call, I can call my mother, my mother called me. I'm thinking about my mother, how she is. She having remembrances of her brother down there. And I don't think, I don't know, I didn't even say anything. I talked to Julian about it, but I didn't really talk about it. And what was it, Friday? That I, was it Friday that I said something to you about it? And Friday night, I was that 13-year-old boy again because I just started to cry because I remember it. I couldn't help my mom. That's all I remember. I couldn't help my mother. And I'm telling Julian, I don't know why I'm... That's where I was at. But God, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, his love was just like that. He put his arms around me and that which used to trouble me, he delivered. Right then, right there. There's nothing too hard for God if you'll let him touch it, if you'll, get, if you'll expose it. 
but I'm a grown man. And in that incident, it took me back to where I was a kid because and all, to, that, to this day, all I can remember is my mother's response. I couldn't help her. And as parents, you know, the worst feeling you ever can have is your child is going through something, our family member is going through something, and you want to help them, and you want to be there, and you want to make it all go away, and you can't. But God, he can. He can help them in ways you can never help them. He can do in them what you could never do. He could turn that whole situation around just like that if you just believe him. I know. I'm living proof. He could turn it around. And they'll come out better than it was before. But you can't prevent them from going through the storm. You can give them wisdom. You can give them knowledge. You can give them understanding. You can pray for them. You can plead the blood of Jesus over them. You can declare and decree the whole nine yards. But guess what? They still have a free will. And if they decide they want to go that way, only thing you can do as a parent is love them to life. No matter what. Love never fails. They might be mad at you because of the correction you give them. They might be upset with you because of the fact that you did not do what it is they wanted you to do, but you knew if you would have done that and tried to help them out, all you were doing is enabling their bad behavior, and they'll continue to go around that same amount. One more again. So today we let go. Today we let go. We trust the fact that God's word says we have a precious promise in the court of Isaiah 54, 13. My children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of my children. And whether you got to send a, a homeless person by there or whether you got to send one of their classmates by them or whether you send one of their co-workers by them or whether you send one of their schoolmates by them, my children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of my children. Because I'm saved, my whole household is saved. I believe it. And Lord, you dispatch laborers across their path to speak a word to them that will ultimately change their lives forever. Now, my mom is doing well. My family is doing well. I thank God for your prayers. In fact, you know, the other day was ironic this week. It was we left the service on Sunday, went home. Monday, we woke up, went outside, looked at and like, wow, it looks like the tire is going low. And, and my, oh, well, we're going to go around to the corner and get some air, put it in the tire. Before I can make it all the way to the gas station, well, thank God. I was supposed to go to the gym that morning, but he says, don't go to the gym tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I'll yield. Don't go to the gym. I dr get up the next morning. I'm looking at the tires like, whoa, the tire looks low. I'm driving around to the corner, and I thought the sensor was off. Because when it's cold, it seemed like the sensor is off, and it was like 75, 62. I'm like, oh, that hold it now. And, but by the time I got into the gas station, in front of the air pump, the tire was completely flat. Now, you, some people was like, this is the bull bullet. No. God had protected us. God had protected that I went out there at that time to go get the air, was close enough to the station, pulled in the station, felt, had favor with the people at the station, and thank God for members of the body of Christ. Because I called a brother, brother duh, brother duh. Can you help me? I'm on my way. We get there, got the tire off, we go get it fixed. And now, there's a funny part we can fellowship while they're working on the tire. We talk about Jesus. It not like, I mean, we're like, yeah, man, about the Lord, yeah, and then, you know, in Canadian Tire. Ain't shy about it. Put the, put the wheel back on, torquing it back on, and thank Brother Doug. Get, get back. So, was going to go take it back to get it torqued again. But I hadn't rode it, hadn't been anywhere that far other than the neighborhood. Why this morning? Why this morning? I'm riding down the road and I'm hearing this sound and I'm like, man, that, that don't sound right. So the loveliest says she wanted to go get some coffee 
and Tim Hortons. Now, this is all going to be part of this message. When I got there, when we're pulling away, I'm hearing it. I'm like, that don't sound right. Why did I get out, Doug, and play with the, the Holy Spirit said, check the lug nuts. Three of the five have begun to back off. So you know what he did? Talked that bad boy down so darn tight the whole truck was moving. Jordan's like, do you need me to get out? No, just stay right there. I'm good. My point is this. In life, trials, tribulations, and tests will come. But God already has a provision, already, already has a way of escape, already has somebody there who will be able to assist you, to aid you, If you allow yourself to be led. Because you got to get quiet and still enough to hear what he has to say. Because when the tire first went flat, I was thinking about what it is I could do. And then I asked the guy, do you mind if I leave my truck here for a second? So I just live right around the corner. I'm walking around the corner and I wouldn't do anything until I found out what the father said to do. What do I do? In the natural, I know what to do. But kingdom-minded means I always check with him first. What would you like me to do? What should I do in this situation? And then he told me, and then I called Brother Doug, because I didn't know what Brother Doug had going on. He said, call Doug. I'm like, okay, bet. Call Doug. We'll call this place. We'll call this place. We'll go do this. And I just did what he said to do, and God did it. Did y'all see what I'm saying? You have to be kingdom-minded all the time. And this morning, I'm going to tell you what to do when you I'm going to show you what to do when you don't know what to do. I'm going to show you what to do when you don't know what to do. If I had a title for this message, the title of this message, when I'm going to make a declaration, then we're going to pray is, don't panic. It's only a test. Don't panic. It's only a test. Are you ready? All righty then. All righty then. Are you all righty then? See, this is what I say. You picked the wrong one, partner. It would have been better if you not mess with me at all. It'd been better if you don't mess with my family at all. Because every time you mess with my, every time you look like you go mess with my family or friends, somebody in the congregation, their family members, you just make it more. I got the bush in your head. I got to come for you. And we coming for it. We're tearing his kingdom down one mighty blow at a time. This is this big old People say the devil's busy. You know what I tell them? Why are you focusing on the devil? Get busy. Why are you focusing on whether he's busy? If you focus on you being busy, you ain't concerned about what he's trying to do. Because you already know the greater one is on the inside of you. You already know that the, the, the gates of hell will not prevail. The kingdom suffering valor, but the fallen taketh by force. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? You buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. We make this declaration that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to open up the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of restoration. This is the year of the great awakening. This is the year in which the, he restores back to you the years that the locusts have eaten. The canker worms, the palm worms, and the caterpillars. This is your year. A revival. This is your year that the years that was lost are taken and stolen, that the palm oars, caterpillar, and uh, 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 canker worms have eaten. He's restoring unto you that which was lost, that which was stolen, that which was taken, that which was. He's restored it unto you. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Will you receive it? He says, I've restored it back to you, but will you receive it? 
Because a lot of times what happens is God is trying to get it to you, get it to you, get it to you, get it to you, get it to you. But you're so busy doing this, that, and the other that you're not even in position to receive it. Will you receive it? He says, will you receive your healing? Will you receive your deliverance? Will you receive your wholeness? Will you receive your restoration? Will you receive it? He says, I have made a way out of no way. I've made the impossible possible for anyone who will believe. He says the possible, impossible possible to who? Those who will believe. He says this is proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of jubilee, the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the for the garment, the oil of joy, glory to God. For mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness. The spirit of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The spirit of joy. Joy is not based off of things that happen. That's happiness. Joy is based off of the fact that you know who you are, whose you are, and what's on the inside of you. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a priest and a king. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ. You're healed from the crown of your head to the very soles of your feet. You are want not, lack not, desire not. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. Are you listening to me? He's here this morning to, to remind you of who you are in him. So don't panic. It's only a test. He also goes on and says, glory to God. He says, and they shall build up the waste places. Glory to God. And they shall raise the former desolation. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. So, Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity in your word. We thank you, Father, that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Move up and down each and every hour. Touch each and every person in the building and also those in, in, across the airways. Father, let it be 100% of you, absolutely none of me. I decrease that you may increase. Miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation in this service today. You will not walk out the same way you came in. The burdens are being removed. The yokes are being destroyed simply because of the anointing. He's here. He's here. He's here now. And we believe we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this is what I want you to do. Say, I've got the power, got the power. To, triumph to triumph over every situation. I've got the power to triumph over every situation. So when you leave out of here today, say, I got the power. You got the power to triumph over every situation. Every situation, every circumstance, everything that tries to you already have God's uh, power, his anointing, his grace, his mercy to triumph over every situation and circumstance. How do you know it? Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. You got the power. Tell your point of you, I got the power. So there's a song that used to be, uh, I've got the power, is the name of the song. Don't go back and listen to it. But you've got the power. I was going to play it, but it's secular. I wasn't going to play it. Glory to God. You've got the power. You've got the power to triumph over every situation and circumstance. When? Every time. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It reads as follows. 
When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, talking about Jesus, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Who? Even the demons, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name name or in your authority. Jesus says, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I now, what did he say? Now you understand I have imparted to you. I have imparted to you. Jesus has imparted to you. All, he says, imparted to you all my authority to trample over Satan's kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power or that Satan possesses absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you work in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Are you listening to me? He says, I've given, I've given you the power or authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why? Because I've already imparted to you. I've already given to you. I've already endued you with. I've already placed on the inside of you my authority to do what? To trample, to win, to, tr to win, to triumph, to have victory every single time over every situation and every tribulation. Why? Because I've already given you my authority to do it. And nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing shall by any means harm you. He says, but don't get all, he said, that's cool, but don't get all excited. And he said, more so, don't get excited just because those demons are, are responding to you. Get excited because your name is in the, is in the, is in, written in the Lamb's book. Get excited because your name is written in the, in, in the book of heaven. Get excited because it, when it's all said and done, your name is written in the Lamb's book of God. Why is that important? He says, because from God's kingdom is where that authority comes from. That's the true source of the authority is God's kingdom. Do y'all see that? The true source is of the authority is the kingdom of God. And it's imparted to you. It's imparted to me is imparted to everyone who's a member of the body of Christ. Now, the interesting thing about this is this is before Jesus went to the cross. This is before he went to the cross. So if demons were in subjection to the to the disciples before he went to the cross, when he went to the cross, he not only gave you the authority, but he also gave you power. Dunamis, miracle working power to go about doing what? Making disciples, make, being a witness. Signs and wonders to follow every time the word gets preached. Are you listening to me? Isn't that what he told him in Mark chapter 16? Go and preach the gospel. And whosoever believes shall be saved. He should, whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. He says, and these signs will follow them that what? Believe. 
you shall lay, you shall speak with new tongues. You shall cast out devils. If you take up any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. And you who believe shall lay hands on the sick. And what shall happen? They shall recover. Now, the disciples out there, they got this instruction from Jesus. What did they do? They went out, beginning to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as a result of preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it says that the Lord went with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders to follow. Don't panic. This is only a test. Turn me, if you will, to Luke chapter 8. And why is all this important? Because, see, so many times when people come into services and sometimes you listen to podcasts and sometimes you're watching YouTube or sometimes you'll hear a prophetic word that comes over the pulpit or, or comes and you hear the prophetic word. And when you hear that prophetic word, guess what happens? Your joy is on cloud nine. You're excited. That's the word I needed to hear. Lord, that's the word I needed to hear. The Lord knows that's the word you needed to hear. That's why he said, spoke the word so you can hear it. So you can not only be a hearer of the word, but receive it and then do it. Now, why are we talking about Luke chapter eight? Because this is the parable talking about the sower. And you got to realize there's a thief. There is a thief. Now, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, Luke chapter 8, verse number 8 says this. Yet some of the, the seed fell on good ground, good fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting out to all who would hear, listen with your heart. And you will understand. Later, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately, what deeper meaning was found in this parable? Remember, Jesus used parables to explain the, to, to, uh, the principles of the kingdom of God to people who could not, who did not have ears to hear. You know what that means? Not have ears to hear means they were, they were, their hearts were not open, op open to receive what it is he had to say. Sometimes you could be talking to people, even born again people whose hearts are not open up to hear what the spirit of the Lord is trying to say to them. Even though it's a, it's a life changing word, if they get a hold of it, it will change their lives forever. Sometimes people are like, eh, I don't want to hear that. But this is what he said. He says, he's talking about this parable. He said, Jesus says to his disciples, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. So when you become a believer, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. Remember, John chapter three says this, except a person be born again, they cannot see or perceive or understand the kingdom of God. Do y'all see that? Unless you are born again, you cannot, you could be telling somebody about the kingdom of God and they can't even begin to comprehend what it is you say because they think it's foolish and nonsense. He says this, he says, but to those, he says to you, it's been given, a, you've been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. He says, but to those who don't have a listening heart. You know what a listening heart, not having a listening heart means? You're closed, your heart is closed to, to the things of God. He says, to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. Even though they have, they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Here then is the deeper meaning of this parable. The, wor uh, this is the, the word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. So he's explaining it and when he was talking about the source of the seed, he said, the seed that I'm referring to is the word of God. What am I doing today? I'm acting as a sower doing what? Sowing the seed of the word into your heart. 
So when Jesus was teaching him this parable, he's sowing the seed of the word into the heart. This is what this is what he goes on to say. He says, I'm so he said, the word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The heart path, let's talk one of the types of ground, the heart pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer talking about your adversary, Satan. What he does is he quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. So as soon as the word of God goes forth, particularly the word of God concerning the kingdom of God, the adversary comes immediately to try to snatch that word from your heart. In fact, he would try to snatch that word from your heart even while you're sitting in service right now. He'd be like, ah, I don't believe that. Ah, that's for them. Ah, that ain't you. That was not, that word's not for you. That's for them. You know, you don't qualify because you did this yesterday. No, 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 no. The sower sows the word. The word is open to whosoever will hear. Whosoever has a listening heart and is open to receive, it will, they can receive. But the adversary will come immediately to try to do what he does best. And according to John chapter 10, verse 10, he comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So your adversary, as soon as the word comes forth, I'm telling you, anytime you get a word, anytime you're reading a study and get a word, you can be in a Bible study, you can be on a podcast, you can be sitting in service right now, and God will speak a word to you. And as soon as he speaks that word to you, the adversary is, is setting up a way how he can snatch that word away from you so he can get you to say, ah, I knew that Bible stuff don't work. Ah, I knew if it was supposed to, my kids was going to be there. As soon as I got that word and I started believing the word, they started acting like more Mike Hellions than they was before. What happens when, a, when they renovate a house? What do they got to do first? They tear down the old. And what happens when you start tearing down the old? You found cracks and crevices and stuff that is already broken down. You didn't even realize it was broken down. But God is in the restoration business. And he's going to, he's already restore all that was lost, all that was taken, all that was wasted. Are you listening to me? So what are you supposed to do when you're in the test? Well, say you, you just got a word from the Lord and you know the adversary is coming immediately to try to steal that word from you and he bops you right, right upside your head. What's the first step and, and realizing that, hey, don't panic, it's only a test. The first thing you do is this. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse number 2. James chapter 1, verse number 2. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, and it reads as follows. Soon as you get bust right upside your head, what's the first thing you need to do? Consider it all joy. I know, I didn't, I didn't write that. James did. I, he says, count it all joy. And then King James says, count it all joy. In other words, add it up as joy. He says, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, it didn't say if you were going to encounter it. It says when you encounter various trials, tests and temptations, count it all joy, knowing that the trying of your faith produces endurance or produces I'm going to use a swear word I'm going to use a swear word y'all ready patience patience the trying of your faith workers produces patience and let patience have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing so when you're in a test a trial a tribulation at the onset, the first thing you're going to do is count it all joy. What does count it all joy mean? You, I count it all joy, Father, for I know that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I know, Father, that you promised never to leave me nor forsake me, but you're with me even until the end of the age. Father, just like you said in Psalms 91, your word says, Father, a thousand will fall on my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but no harm or hurt shall come near me. I'm counting it all joy simply because I've set my love upon 
upon you. I know that you are you are delivering because I've set my love upon you. You will lift me high above this situation, high above this circumstance. And you, you have already enabled me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You're a God. You're more than enough. Counting it all joy. Now, you haven't seen anything happen yet, but you're you're, you're positioning yourself on, on how you're going to respond from the onset. Did y'all hear what I said? You're positioning yourself how you're going to respond from the onset. You're counting it all joy. You're praising the Lord. Man, I know if this situation here, in accordance to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God told Paul his grace is sufficient for him, for his strength is made perfect in weakness, for when he is weak, then am I strong. God, you are not a respecter of person. Your grace is sufficient for me, for when I am weak, then am I made strong. God, I'm more than able to overcome. Are you listening to me? All right. What are you going to do first? Count it all joy. You said, Pastor, that sounds good. Give me an example of that. I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 3. Don't panic. It's only a test. First step we're going to do, what we're going to do to trouble our trouble, and what we're going to do when we don't, what, what to do when you don't want, know what to do. First step we're going to do, we're going to count it all joy. Example that is Psalms chapter 3 verse 1 says this. This is David writing. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. It says this, Lord, how are they increased who trouble me? Many are they who rise up against me. Many are saying of me, there is no help for him in God. So this is what David is. is this is actually a psalm that David is singing to God. So he says, Lord, how are they increase that trouble me? Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no hell for him in God. That's what the people said. Right? So David says, pause and think about that. But this was, a, this was David's response. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. With my voice, I cried to the Lord, and he hears and answers me out of his holy heel. Selah, pause, and calmly think about that. David says, I lay down and slept. I awaken again, for the Lord has sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of peoples who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on their cheek. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be upon your people, Selah, and Paul's. And think, calmly think about that. So David said at the very beginning, he says, you know, Lord, Many are they increased that trouble me. Many there be which that rise up against me. Many say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. That's what they said. But Lord, you are a shield for me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Are you listening to me? David, from the very onset, he began to count it all joy. He did deny the fact of what, what was going on, but the truth of superseded his fact, the fact. What he's saying is, Father, I don't, I, you are so much greater than this situation. And he's, gonna, he's doing the second step you do when you, when you don't know what to do. When you, don't, when, when you don't know what to do, the second step is you're declaring the end from the very beginning. So David first counted it all joy, and then what did he do? He declared the end from the very beginning. What did he do? Isaiah 46 verse 9 says this. I'm reading out of the New American Bible, Standard Bible, which says this. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is none other. I am God and there is none like me. 
declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purposes will be established and I will accomplish my will, all my good pleasure. So God is saying from the, what is he doing? He says, I declare the end from the very beginning. What are you supposed to do as someone who's imitating your heavenly father? You're declaring your end from the very beginning. Why? Because you've already counted all joy. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Glory to God. He's declaring the end from the very beginning. What are you supposed to do? You're declaring the end from the very beginning. So the first thing you got to do in order to before you know to be able to declare the end from the very beginning, you got to count it all joy. Because when you count it all joy, you get your mind still, you get your body still, you get your heart grounded, you get connected back up to the Father. And what you're saying is, Father, you're so much greater than the situation and circumstance that I'm facing right now. I trust you. 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 So I'm going to count it all joy because you have never failed me yet. God won't fail you. He can't fail. So we count it all joy. We're declaring the very the end from the very beginning. And then the next step we're going to do, we're going to why? We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. This is what to do when you don't know what to do. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, seek first God's rule, his realm, his royalty, and, then, and his righteousness, right standing, and then all these things will be added unto you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count it all joy. I'm going to declare the end from the beginning. I'm going to seek God's way of doing things and be upright before him. And then all these things that I need will be added to me. Now, how am I going to seek? How am I going to seek first the kingdom of God? Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. Whoo. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says, and do not lean to your own reasonings or understanding. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Did you hear that? He says, when you see first my kingdom and walk right before me by trusting in me with all of your heart and not leaning to your own reasoning and understanding, he says, in all your ways, in your everyday situation, circumstance, regardless of whether you're in a test, trial, tribulation, or everything is going great, in all of your ways acknowledge me, he says, and I will make your way straight. Do y'all see that? Don't panic. It's only a test. Does it make more sense to you when you can, you hear and then you should see an example. You hear and then you see an example. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for somebody who really had to do it? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Here we go. You win with God. You win with God. You win with God. I'm going to show it to you. Turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is where, this is where we're going to wrap it up. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Don't panic. It's only a test. Just for, so you know, God's not the one trying you. The adversary will try you to see if you really believe what it is you're saying. You, you, you quote all that stuff. Do you really believe it? 
Are y'all ready? First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. And it reads as follows. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid of the Negev and on Ziglag and had overcome Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone and carried them off and went their way. So the setting is David and his men are out to have, in a, uh, preparing for a battle. They're out. While they're gone, somebody comes to their camp, takes all their goods, their women, and their children. Now, that's like somebody coming to your house, breaking in your house, taking all your stuff. It's one thing they took your stuff, but they took your kids and your wife too? Oh, you know you got to. You know you got to get with them. Oh, I forgot y'all, 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 y'all church, y'all don't respond like that. I'm going to tell you what Pastor Milton would do. Pastor Milton would get locked, cocked, and ready to rock. I'm going to get the queen. <clears throat> praying for y'all, praying for y'all. Glory to God. So this, he comes back to this situation. Now, when David and all his men came to the city, behold, it was burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. You ever been at that point? Well, you cry. You cry so much. You, you can't even cry no more. You got to take a nap so you can wake up and cry some more. Now, David's two wives had been taken captive. Uh, what's the child name? Ahinam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. Now, David is the leader. And because now it wasn't just David's family was affected. All their families were affected. So the men who was following David turned on David and was thinking about killing David because their wives and sons were stolen. Now, David had nothing to do with that. That's why you can't always follow the the responses of the crowd, because sometimes when people get hit, they say things, they do things. They don't really mean what it is, but because they're so upset at the moment, they say and do a lot of stuff that they shouldn't do. Anybody ever been there? I don't even know any good swear words. But I think I might say like darn shoot heck or something like that, you know, if I really get mad, right? Something like that. <laughs> shoot, darn it, freaking A. I don't know any good swear words. I, I mean, I never heard cursing in my parents' house, ever. Then I met somebody. And they cuss more than me and them. Put together, glory to God. They make a seller blush. It's like, whew. Praise the Lord. First time I heard a female cuss when I was in a assembly plant, I didn't even know it was a female. Mother blank suck. It, it, I, my little church boy, oh, I felt so violated. But I like, get over yourself. People curse. Not in the body of Christ, because that's not kingdom language. How many, how many people ever go to God? God, what the blankety blank 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 is this? How many people go to how many people go to prayer like that? Anybody? That's trained behavior. But see what this is is these guys are so distraught that they want to turn on the ooh. Sometimes you can be so distraught that you even turn on the very one that God sent to help you in the first place. Anybody ever done that? Somebody do something, something happens, you so darn mad, 
You, man, you, you ready to kill anything and everything that comes your way. And you, ooh, that's good, Lord. He says, and usually the people that you hurt the most are those who are closest to you because they're there. But that is today, he says. All right. So they were so upset that they was ready to kill. They was thinking, they was talking about, we ought, to, we ought to take my man out at the same time. So what did David do? As a response to this, David began to strengthen himself in the Lord, his God. How did he do that? He counted it all joy. He got by himself and began to encourage himself in the Lord, it says. You ever been like that? Had to get by yourself and you, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. You're so good to me, Father. I'm going to tell you what I do. I'm going to tell you, tell you a secret I got. I, I understand a secret. I'm going to tell you. When something's happening to me and I can feel my flesh rising up, when I can see Tyrone rising up, Tyrone is that altered personality who... If we ain't in check, I ain't prayed up good today. He'll cut you and dare you to bleed. But he don't get, I don't let him out though. But when I feel my flesh coming on, this is what I say. Father, I know you love me. Father, I know you love me. You know what happens? I'm making an exchange with him. Father, I'm remind, and I'm reminding myself of the fact that, God, I know you love me. So no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the trial or tribulation is, Father, I know you love me. And your love for me is so much greater. And I got I to gotta, I gotta get before you and lift me up, Father. Lift me up to your view so I can see this trial, tribulation situation from your view. It changes how you see things. That's why you got to count it all joy from the very beginning. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then, after he encouraged himself for the Lord, then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord. Remember, seek, seek the kingdom. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord said to David, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. Now, what did David have to do? He had to first count it all joy. He had to, then he began to get quieted within himself. He sought God's way. He inquired of the Lord. He acknowledged God before he did anything. And what did God do? He directed his path. He made his way straight. He told him exactly what it is he was to do. He told David to pursue. And David, when you pursue, you shall recover all. Let's see if it happened. So David went and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued he and 400 men, the 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor, remained behind. Now they found an Egyptian. Somebody says, favor. Now they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. <clears throat> And gave him bread and two clusters of raisins, and he ate. Then his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. So even in the midst of the situation and circumstance, when David began to launch out and do exactly what it is God told him to do, God already had a laborer, God already had provision, God already had a resource available to David to do what? To bring to pass the word that God had already said. That if you pursue, you shall rescue all. How do you know this guy was, was a part of that? Stay with me. So, they provided him food and aid and everything. When the guys, bought, he, restored, he revived, 
because he hadn't eaten in three days and three nights. For he had not bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. David said to him, to whom do you belong? Watch the setup. And where are you from? And the guy said this. I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite. Who attacked Ziglag? An Amalekite. And my master left me behind and I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the give of the Charathites and on that which belongs to Judah and on the give of Caleb and we burnt Ziglag. Now, what is the chances of that happening? That the guy was going to be there at that particular time, in that particular place, at that particular moment when David and his men were going to come across because they got a word from the Lord, pursue and you shall recover all. So, then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? And the guy said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring you down to this band. Did y'all hear that? So, David didn't know where they were, but this guy did. And what did God do? Use the guy to lead David and his men to the very place that they needed to be in order to rescue all. Are y'all seeing this? Who did it? God did it. How did David know what to do? He encouraged himself in the Lord and he inquired of God what to do before he did anything. Remember, count it all joy, declare the end from the beginning, seek the kingdom of God, inquire the Lord. So what happened? Let's find out. Then David says, I will bring you down to this band. The man said, I will bring you down to this band. He said, swear to me that you won't kill me or turn me over. So when he had brought them down, behold, they were spread all spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and of the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day, and not one man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David did what? David recovered all. Now, it would have been a great story if they just, David just recovered his wives and children and the other guys recovered their wives and children. But how many people know that God never just gives you just enough? He made the enemy pay you back seven times what he took. What do you say? Prove it? Oh, I'm so glad you said it. Thanks, Freedom. Thank you. He says this to him. He says, So David recovered all that the, Mal the Malachites had taken and rescued his two wives, but nothing of theirs was missing were the smaller great sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves. David bought it all back. So he had captured all the sheep and the cattle which the people drove ahead of their other livestock. And they said, this is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow. David, who had also been left at the... Uh, to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Bashur. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. Then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men also among those who were with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them 
any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. That was the attitude of the people who was with David. But King, but King David was a man after God's own heart. This is what King David says. You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered into our hands the band that came against us, and who will listen to us, listen to you in this matter? For as his own share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. In other words, whether you went to the battle or you didn't go to the battle, you're still going to get the same reward. Even though there was a situation, circumstance that rose up against David and the people, what did the people do? David inquired of the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David sought inquired of God what to do. David not only heard what to do, but David obeyed what the Lord said to do. And when David obeyed what the Lord said to do, he got the results that God said he would get. So when you don't panic and realize it's just a test, I know I'm in this test. I can see it's a test. I got to count it all joy. I'm going to declare the end from the very beginning. Tears coming down my face. I'm so, I'm so, I'm in my flesh. I'm so upset. I want to do something else. But I'm going to trust you, Lord, with all of my heart. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I'm going to, I'm going to inquire of you, Lord God, because you promised me, you promised me, you promised me, you'd make my path straight. It didn't say God did it. It says they inquired of God and then God told them what to do. So you can sit back with your mouth so tight like you ate three bags of lemons and don't say nothing. And then the enemy going to rob you blind. Or you can say, I'm not in my house. Not in my house. Hmm. That's what I say of that joker show. Not in this house. You ain't going to do that. And sometimes, Jewel will tell you, sometimes people might think I'm talking to them, but I'm talking to that spirit that's trying to influence them. Not my house. You get all your stuff and get out of my house right now. I said that one time. Somebody like, well, who, who's, he, who's he putting out of the house? The devil. And all his counterparts. You got to go, partner. Draw a bloodline around that house. I draw blood around and around your house. I draw blood around over you and your children and, and your grandchildren and your resources, your provisions, your workplaces. We draw a bloodline around. You can't touch them. Why? Because they're in our house. So when you talk, when I found out what happened with my cousin, oh, we got the truck. I call my brother. Why? Because my brother drives a truck. Yo, this is what you need to do. And don't make me drive to the States to come get you, because you know I will. You know what my brother said? Okay, man, I'm good. Let, my, let mama call me and tell you you didn't do what you I'm coming to get you. Why? Because I'm upset with him? No. Love provokes the action. What Doug did pro, pro, was provoked by love. What we do, if you call us, provoked by love to do it. Have we done the same thing for people? Absolutely. Do we talk about it? No. If you guys knew what we did during the week, I'd think, oh my God. To minister to people. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We're anointed to do it. Don't panic. It's only a test. So count it all joy. You already know the word's coming forth, so the adversary's going to try to come and steal this word from you, but you already know what to do. You're going to count it all joy. 
You're going to declare the end from the very beginning. And according to my Bible, it says, by Jesus Christ, I'm already healed. I ain't moved by what you said. According to my Bible, it says, God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And because I've operated according to the kingdom of God, and I'm seeking first his way of doing things, I'm going to acknowledge God in all my ways. He's going to make my path straight. And it may not be straight today. It may not be straight tomorrow. It may not be straight next week, next month, next year. But God, you, I got a promise. And you cannot lie. Don't panic. It's only a test. And I've lived this test. I know it works. I've seen it happen again and again and again. They tell you it's going to take this long. The devil was a lie. I, according to the kingdom of God, I declare that this is when it's going to be. And, and with God, faith is always right now. It's not next week. It's not soon and it's soon, soon by and by. Faith is now. When do you receive it? Now. When do you take it? Now. I receive my kids healed. Now. I receive my children saved. Now. I call my whole household saved. Now. Now, the manifestation of it, you see it in the natural, but in the spirit, it's already a done deal. Amen? So, Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. Thank you today, Lord God, that you showed us what to do when we don't know what to do. Don't panic. It's only a test. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's the simplest thing you could do. That's how you begin this relationship with God so that you could have a covenant right to, to partake of the promises that are being made to you, the, thing, the very things we talked about today. And it's as simple as this. It's, it's, and according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, the word of God is neither even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, healed, delivered, made whole, protected, and complete. So repeat this prayer to me. Mean it from, say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Say it with a dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sins. I'm sorry, Lord. And I receive your offer of forgiveness. Jesus, I make you Lord. Holy Spirit, I receive you right now. With a Bible of evidence of speaking in tongues. I've confessed it. I believe it. I receive it. I take it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if that's your very first time of praying that prayer, or you made a rededication of your life to the Lord, we want to thank you. We want to celebrate with you. All of heaven is rejoicing because you've made that, de that decision today. Now, what we like to do is get some information into your hands. So if you send us an email at info at faithfullifeottawa.com, that's, fa that's info at faithfullifeottawa.com. We love to get some information into your hands. The next step for you, though, is to get into a good Bible-based church that teaches the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and teaches about the blood of Jesus. Faithful Life Center is, is a great place to start. But if you're not in our local area, you can, I would, you, know, you can contact us. We try to help you find a church that's in your local area. We want to thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Remember, don't panic.